0: Music connects with people in many ways. For me personally, Van Halen music connected with me from my early years in high school and still connects with me today. I did not know nor had I ever met any of the members of Van Halen. But when Edward Van Halen passed away, a part of me passed away with him. Starting today and for the entire month of December, Growing Up Rock podcast will pay our respects and celebrate. The music of King Edward and the mighty Van Halen by bringing you four different Van Halen themed episodes along with some of our friends. So don't be sad. Find some beautiful girls and grab your little guitars and crank it up. So episode one of our month-long Edward Van Halen tribute and the music of Van Halen. And what better way to kick this off than by doing a tribute to a tribute, basically, Sonny. You want to explain what we're doing here tonight?
1: Yeah, we wanted to wait um, until the smoke cleared a little bit. It's been you a know, month and a half now, maybe almost two months First of all, can you tell me about the whole Edward and Eddie thing? Because Edward sounds very bougie to me. Like, I always say Eddie. Why do people say Edward?
0: I mean, I've, I've said Edward, Ed, Eddie. I've used all the names. You know, something that is new to me, but a lot of people refer to him as goat, and that might be an inside thing or something, but I'm not really that familiar with what that is.
1: Greatest of all time. It's a sports term.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I had no I- no idea. I'll be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, di- I didn't know. Uh, so I thought that was like a new nickname that I just wasn't in the inside uh, on for him. But yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah.
1: So we were going to do a tribute, and one of the ideas we had was, why don't we just review a tribute album, right? Other people have done tribute to Van Halen songs while Eddie was living. So figured we would do that, kind of a new spin on things. Uh, so yeah, we're doing a tribute of a tribute record, but, uh, before we get with that, we haven't really talked about what Van Halen meant to each of us. I'll start, you know, Van Halen, Prince dying, I would say was a bigger thing to me because Prince is my number one guy. Van Halen, uh, Sammy is one of my top 10 guys, but Van Halen in total isn't. And there's for a bunch of different reasons. Doesn't mean I don't like Van Halen. I listen to a lot of Van Halen. Losing an icon matters. So just because I'm not maybe a kiss nerd with the Van Halen stuff, that doesn't mean that losing Eddie is any easier for anybody. I think everybody kind of mourns in their own way, deals with their, in their own way. I had friends sending me, you know, the Eddie song or the Van Halen song they were listening to right as they heard the news, blah, blah, blah. I got to be honest. I went a week without listening to any Van Halen because I was like, you know what? I think I just like, to let this thing settle for a while before I listen to any more Van Halen. And then when I listened to this tribute CD, I also obviously listened to the original songs along with it. And, uh, it was fun. It was uh fun to not have heard Van Halen for two or three weeks and then kind of, you know, dip both toes in and kind of really enjoy the music. I think he's going to be sorely missed. Uh, I think when you lose an icon like that, it's irreplaceable. It's, it's sad for the rock community. That's for sure. And there has been more tributes out there than I can count, and it just goes to show he touched a lot of people. And I know Van Halen's one of your favorite bands, so it must have uh, touched you a different way.
0: Yeah, it was. As I said in the intro, I think the bottom line is, it's not like I knew Eddie. It's not like I'm related. It's not like I've ever met him or really anybody, for that matter, in Van Halen. But it's so impactful. The music is so impactful to people at different periods of their life for different reasons, that when somebody passes away like that, you feel connected through their music. So a little piece of you passes away. And that's what I said in that intro. And for me, that's certainly true. Van Halen has been there for me in my early high school years all the way to current time, basically. And they've gotten me through a lot of times and they were there initially getting me into hard rock and getting me into guitars and things like that. So people talk about their favorite members of KISS, whether it's Paul or or Gene or Peter or Ace. Well, Eddie was always my favorite in Van Halen. You know, some people are Dave guys, some people are Eddie guys. Eddie and the guitar were always the most important thing to me. There have been some celebrity passings that have impacted me in the last few years. Tom Petty was one. Prince was one. Michael Jackson was one. David Bowie was one. But this year, with losing Neil Peart, that was a big one for me. And then Eddie, because both Rush and Van Halen are you know, I consider them my bands, my time. It wasn't like Bowie, which was, you know, I got into Bowie, but it was after the fact. And so that's kind of how I look at things uh, with that. That was the first concert I ever went to. I talked about that a lot early on in this podcast, I saw the Diver Down tour. I've seen Van Halen. I think I've seen Van Halen a total of five times. So I saw him on the Diver Down tour, on the 1984 tour. I saw him once on the Van Halen-Gary Sharon tour. What, that album was three or something, right?
1: That's right. Yeah,
0: so Van Halen three, I saw him on that tour, and I saw him on the Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge tour. And then I've seen him on the um, Reunion tour before Different Kind of Truth. So that's it. I mean, that's the amount of times. I know there are people out there that have seen Kiss 453 times or whatever, but I lived in a small city for a long time and concerts weren't as easy to get to growing up and, you know, ticket money and all the rest of the things that go along with seeing bands. But five times for me, they were impactful. They were groundbreaking for me personally. So yeah to say they were my favorite band probably of all time. If I had to have a favorite band, they were probably it. Uh, and for me, it was the David Lee Roth era. And when they broke up with Dave, I was bitter about it, but grew to like Sammy as much. So I like I like the whole gambit of Van Halen these days. And the one person in all that of course was Edward. Uh, I thought he was brilliant, groundbreaking, innovative, and
1: just an amazing, amazing player. So... That's it for me. Yeah. I've seen him live probably seven or eight times, but never with Dave. I didn't go, start going to concerts till Dave was already out. I've seen Dave with his band several times, but I never saw him with Van Halen. So all the times I saw him was with Sammy. And then I saw him twice with Gary Cherone because I was a huge extreme fan. When they came around on the different kind of truth, that's when they had Cool the Gang open, right? Cool in the Gang was actually before
0: Different Kind of Truth. That was on the reunion tour, and that's when I saw them.
1: Okay, because I was going to go then. They played at the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah. The tickets were like a thousand bucks to sit in the parking lot. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I really wanted to see Cool in the Gang. I haven't seen Cool in the Gang in forever. So I was like, oh, this could be fun. And then I was like, oh my God, these tickets are ridiculous. Uh, they must have sold out, I guess. I don't know. But the, so I didn't end up going. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I bought, uh, I bought my tickets for that, uh, that reunion tour off some guy on Craigslist of all places. And they were good tickets. <laughs> they were good tickets by God. <laughs> you know, it's always, a, it's always a worry thing when you buy them, but they were decent tickets and, uh, they were, they were in the back of the arena, but at least they were down low. They weren't in the nosebleeds. So, uh, me and Jen went and, uh, it was a good show, good set list and I enjoyed it. And, That's the last time I saw Van Halen, uh, which I don't even remember when that was. 2006, maybe? Does that sound right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't know.
0: Nah, it had to be later than that. 2010, maybe. Sounds more correct. But anyway... But yeah, I mean, that's that's my story. There are many different memories that I have that go along with uh, Van Halen, Van Halen music. And uh, I'm sure throughout the course of the month, I'll share some of those things. But for tonight's episode, we've been talking about doing a tribute of a tribute. Technically, we're doing a, a review of a tribute, but <laughs> you get the point.
1: Yeah, so let's uh, start with this. <laughs>
2: It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight.
0: So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight from, I don't know if this technically is a band or just an individual guy, but Squib Records sent me this release. I checked it out. I like this song, and we're always looking for uh, new music to pop in here for the new music spotlight. This is from Rich Kid Express, and the song is Get Out of My Life from the record Psychodelic. On Squib Records, check it out and then let us know in the uh, Loud Minority Facebook group whether you dig this tune or not. Check it out.
1: Is it possible that this is Rob's band? Rob who? Rob Richardson. The guy who, isn't that the guy who owns Quick Records? Uh, I have no idea. Because I have the CD. I don't remember how I got it.
0: Oh, uh, I have no idea. To be honest, I mean, they sent a sheet, but it was kind of small and I couldn't read it. <laughs> so I got the record. I've listened to a few other songs on the record. I kind of liked it. I can't remember how Squib Records came to me. Somebody sent some stuff, put me on a mailing list, and uh, that's how it was. But this thing, Rich Kid Express, the guy kind of looks like, to be honest, kind of looks like Elton John a little bit in the, <laughs> in the promo <laughs> picture that I saw. But obviously, the music is rocking. At least I think this song is pretty rocking. That was why I, I slid it in here. Is that wrong?
1: Yeah, that's not wrong. Okay, fair enough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well did you like the song or not
1: yeah yeah i like the song yeah i was just i was just surprised i'm like i have that cd i usually remember where i get that stuff from but stuff comes in the mail now so i don't always know when it's com where it's coming from
0: well and to be honest the psychedelic record uh released today as we're recording this which i won't give you the date but uh because this this episode obviously not coming out till december but so this just released today, they released a couple singles out front, but you know, they had a, don't play any of the rest of the record until the record's released type thing.
1: Oh, okay. So I like, okay. I like to respect that when I can. Okay. So getting to our topic, we are going to cover tribute to Van Halen, which was released in 2000. There's a bunch of different artists on this. We will go through the artists as we go through the songs. It was produced by Bob Kulik on, and it was released on Eagle records The cover is very 1984-ish, you know, without the cigarettes, but uh, you know, it's got kind of the, kind of this like light blue color scheme. Some of these songs have been around a while and you've maybe seen them on other Van Halen tribute records. We just picked this one because it was all DLR versus having some Dave and some Sammy songs. So that's why we kind of picked this one. 11 songs on the CD. And, uh, I will tell you right out of the gate, production's a lot better on the covers, just thanks to technology, if nothing else, right? The, it's louder, it's mixed better. And, you know, some of the stuff that Van Halen released was in the late 70s, early 80s. So technology is helping some of these songs. So we're probably not going to talk about that a ton. Let's talk about
0: the album cover a little bit more. So it's basically a young kid doesn't necessarily look like a baby, but it's a young kid with a goofy look on his face, right? And the angel wings, that's all there is to it, right? And he's got the horns. Oh yeah, that's true. I can see that now in the little picture. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But the baby on the 1984 cover doesn't have horns, does it? No. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's why I was saying it's just similar. It's a similar take on it. Yeah. Okay, so the first song is Unchained. So Jack Russell's doing the vocal, Dweezil Zappa's doing the guitar, Marco Mendoza is on bass, and Eric Singer is on drums. So, you know, you're talking about Great White, Zappa's got his own thing, Marco's been in a million bands, Eric's been in a million and three bands, including Kiss. So to me, I think they pulled off the music pretty well and Jack did a good job on the lead vocal. Now that being said, that talking part, Jack did not do well in. I got to tell you, it's hard to replicate what Dave did there because he's got this kind of like unique style when he does that. and It's got this flair and charisma that you just can't pull off that well. So to me, the cover version was just okay. The Weasel did well. There's nothing wrong with that, but you know he's not Eddie. But I was really looking forward to Jack making his almost his best DLR impression, and I don't think he really hit it. What did you think? All
0: right, so here's my notes, because I wrote notes on each one of these songs. The low-end bass sounds great, but it's hard for me to hear anyone else doing this song. This also sounds fast. It sounds like they sped the tempo up to me. Some, I may be wrong. I'm not a musician, but that's just. It sounds like they sped it up a little bit to me. Do Weasel changed the solo? Some the whole breakdown is bad, meaning that that talking part you're talking about is bad. <laughs> and and so I side with you on that. It just doesn't sound good to me at all. And I like obviously Unchained is uh, up there for me and yeah I, I did not enjoy this particular version of the song, sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, so the second song was I'm the One and uh, Mark Slaughter doing the vocal, obviously Slaughter, Doug Aldrich doing the guitar he's been in a million bands including Whitesnake Tim Bogert, you may not know him but he was the bass player in Vanilla Fudge and then the late and great Frankie Van on drums <laughs>
2: Bada ba 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 Bada ba 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 ba
0: So what did you think about, uh, I'm the one, the background vocals in certain places sound thin to me. Uh, it does sound decent in that breakdown with the background, the the was the Doo of that part. So it sounds okay there, but there's a few other places where it sort of sounds thin to me. I think Doug does a great job on this song. Doug doesn't stray real far from it. Uh, and just He to me, he nails it in terms of doing a really good take on it. Overall it's an okay version, but I don't think they really added a whole bunch new to it.
1: So that's my take on it. So here's a tough part about all these songs, right? Because it's you know, you hear some folks when they say cover, they want you to put a spin on it. Right. So, you know, Black Crow's doing hard to handle is different than the original hard to handle. Bullet Boy's doing for the love of money is it different than the original. So they kind of brought their own thing to it. Then some people want covers that are damn close to just the original because you can't mess with it too much. Otherwise, you're going to make the song all funky and they're used to hearing it a certain way. So the reason I bring that up is because there's times during this album where I wanted it to be the same. And then there's times where I wanted it to be different. And I liked both sides.
0: You know, you bring up a really, really interesting point there because you kind of nailed it. What's your take on it? I mean, how do you like your tribute albums? Do you want them to be identical? Do you want them to be different? Or in the case of this one, I think you said you wanted some to be the same and some to be different. And if that's the case, how do you decide what you want?
1: Yeah. So it can't really spread it like peanut butter, but I'll give you some examples. If it's a R&B song or it's a little more mid-tempo and an artist thickens it up, and speeds it up a little bit and it still sounds great and you didn't lose the original groove or whatever that totally works for me if somebody takes a hard rock melodic metal type song drops it and does it completely acoustic or even slows it down a bit and it works i'm good with that i don't want people messing with prince tunes so if you're not going to do it right just don't do it right so the, i don't it just depends on what it is and who it is Yes and
0: no for me. So I think if you're covering a hard rock band or a metal band, I'm almost of the mind that I want you to do it exact, which is kind of defeats the purpose of doing a tribute, but whatever. I like tribute records when they completely switch some stuff up, but it needs to be a significant enough of a change for it to be recognizable. Like instantly that, oh, this is this song, but a completely different spin on it. And the reason I bring that up is because I've actually heard some Prince songs done completely different that are awesome. Like I heard an acoustic version of Raspberry Beret that I thought was amazing. It was slowed down and changed and sounded like Raspberry Beret, but completely different. And I really thought it was good. And I wish I could remember who did it or what that, I think I almost want to say it was like on a version of American Idol or something, but it was really, really good. And so, I don't know, if you're going to do a Van Halen tribute, I need it to be the same. I really do, because this shit's just, we'll
1: get into it more. I don't want to tip my hand. So let me give you my thoughts on I'm the One. I thought Doug did outstanding. It was almost as if, hey, Eddie, look what I can do. They could have had a guitar battle back and forth. and That would have been something to see. And I thought Mark held his own. I think he did a good job with the vocal breakdown. I I actually thought this was an excellent cover. So my opinion. Fair enough. I mean, like I said, I
0: didn't think it was too far from the original. So it wasn't that bad to me. Uh, Again, I agree with you on the Doug part. I just thought some of the background sounded a little bit thin. That's all.
1: Yeah. Third song on this CD is "Dance the Night Away." Jolyn Turner doing the lead vocal. Obviously, he's done a bunch of solo stuffs. Been in Inve, been in Rainbow, uh, Red Beach, Winger, White Snake, uh, Marco Mendoza again, and then Greg Bissonette is on drums. Um, and of course, he was in uh, David's band. I thought Jolene Turner didn't really try doing the yelps, and my guess is he can't do them. But he does a nice vocal overall. Like I kind of liked the subtle vocal melody changes. Like I had to listen to it a couple of different times. Like, what is he doing different? Cause it's very subtle to me. And then that noodling that Reb does at the end of the song is outstanding. Like I was a, I was like, eh, this is okay. And then I turned changed my mind to, ah, oh, this is pretty good because the noodling thing, like kind of took it over the top for me. What did you think?
0: All right. So my thought on dance tonight, Away is this version is pretty good, but here's the thing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Dave's vocals here. Forever in a day, you hear how lousy of a singer David Lee Roth is. You've heard it from his bandmates. You've heard it from people out there. And maybe live, that's absolutely true. And I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that technically, we would think Joe Lynn Turner is just a better singer than David Lee Roth. I think technically, nobody's going to argue that. But here's the thing. When you listen to these tribute songs you hear little subtle things that David Lee Roth and only David Lee Roth could do that were good. I mean, good singing. In this version of Dance the Night Away, one of the things that I miss is Dave has this smoky sort of rasp in his voice in certain places that I think is completely David Lee Roth and I think is awesome. Awesome. And I miss that a little bit in this song. I also don't like a few of the phrasing choices that Joe Lynn Turner makes. Just certain ways he says a couple of the words in this song changes it for me. And then the last thing is I don't like the way Reb's harmonic tapping sounds in the breakdown. I don't know if it's because of the way that he's recording. Uh, I'm not actually sure, but... I don't like the way it sounds and I don't need the solo at the end. (laughs) So, so those are, those are all my notes basically for the thing. And I'm not saying as a guitar player, like you can listen to it and decide whether he's doing the harmonic tapping correctly or not. It probably is. Reb's awesome, but maybe it's the way that they recorded it or the effects that Eddie used on his guitar when they recorded it. But it sounds different to me that the, The guitar players will know what I'm talking about. The harmonic tapping breakdown that he does in the song.
1: it's going to be hard to copy Eddie's style and tone. Like you, I don't think you got this on any of these songs. That's going to be hard to copy period. Just like David's hard to copy. That's just how it is. Yeah. I
0: mean, definitely that's something that came across in this for sure. Yeah.
1: Four song on the CD is light up the sky. You got Doug Pinnock from, uh, (laughs) Oh, I hate this band so much. King's X. On lead vocal, Ingve, of course, of Ingve doing the guitar, which I'm surprised that he's on a Eddie Van Halen tribute record, because I figured he would want to stay away from that as far as possible, but whatever. Uh Billy Sheehan on bass. And then Vinny Kaliuta. Colu- Iw- How do you say that? Kaliuta? Cali- Cali- Kaliuta. Kaliuta. Vin- Vinny Kaliuta. Yeah. So he's played with Zappa. He's played with Jeff Beck, Sting. Um, What'd you think of this song? Light Up the Sky. Vinny Kaliut
0: is badass. (laughs) For those that you don't know, he's basically a jazz drummer, but he's awesome. So here's my thoughts. And I don't hate King's X, but (laughs) there's a big but on this. I hate Doug on this version. He might've been good on something like maybe Take Your Whiskey Home. The solo does not sound like Ingve, but also is not even close to Ed. I hate this version. Can we just burn this version?
1: That's my notes. (laughs) (laughs) So I was a little bit nicer, just a little. And I I said, Doug did some great yelping. I thought he came close to some of the yelping, and he hit some great notes. But I got to tell you, I don't like the original song. (laughs) So I definitely don't like the cover. I don't like this song all the way around. This song could be erased from Van Halen, and I wouldn't care.
0: So that's my personal opinion too harsh blasphemy This song kicks ass on Van Halen too, but, but not
1: this version. Mm. All right. Number five is the impeccable Panama with Janie Lane from Warren doing the lead vocal, George Lynch doing the guitar, Tony Franklin from the firm Blue Murder, Whitesnake doing bass and Greg Bissonnette on drums. So to me at the beginning, it felt like I had a harder edge, but Janie's like trying to sing the song and Dave had a flavor and Janie's vocals just not working for me. And the version's missing the big backing vocals. And George, I love you, but if you're not gonna even come close to what Eddie's playing, then don't do a Van Halen <laughs> tribute record. George didn't come close to Eddie. Janie couldn't pull off the DLR flavor and Janie didn't do the talking part any justice either. Uh, you want to burn a cover. This was the cover I wanted to burn. (laughs) Fair enough.
0: (laughs) Would you like my notes on it? Sure. (laughs) Uh, Ditto. Yeah, sort of maybe (laughs) they missed the background vocals going into the first course and the background vocals in this song are super important. Uh, solo over the ending course, just stop. That's, I just said, just stop. Don't stop. No, uh Let's turn that volume knob down. Your time is over. No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> you don't get paid by the notes, son. Um, ain't no stopping now. So at the big break... Where the background vocals come in, ain't hey, no stopping now. You know the part I'm talking about. Everybody does. Uh, do they?
1: Because that was not good. That was really bad. Oh,
0: you talking about my interpretation? Yes. Well, no shit. I ain't a singer, but you know the part I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <Fuck. laughs> Stick with me, boy. Stick <laughs> with me, boy.
3: Now what I say? What's the big idea, bashing me on the noggin with a rolling pin? enough people and we'll have a nation of
0: lump hats. all right so anyway that part after that part it sounds like they messed up on the course if you go back and listen to it it sounds like they messed up on the course after that part and just left it in yeah. yeah, I don't know what was going on there. Maybe I was dropping LSD and maybe it was me that messed up, but I swear if you listen to that and I'll see if I can play it here for you folks and maybe I'll go back and listen to it and I'll be completely crazy. So if you don't, if I don't play that here, it just means I went back and listened to it and yeah, I'm stupid. But <laughs> but I swear <laughs> I listened to that today and right at that part after it comes out of there and they go into the course, it's Sounds like I messed it up and just kept it. I
1: don't even know what you're talking about, and I can't agree, but I do agree that you're stupid. Wow. Well,
0: you know what? <laughs> You've got a dirty, whorish mouth. That's what you have. Screw you. I'm going home. I don't need to listen to that shit from you. Uh, all right, we'll move on. My wife tells me I'm stupid enough. I sure don't need to listen to that from you, poony.
3: You are a smelly pirate
0: hooker anyway i'm just kidding my wife loves me
1: <laughs> number six hot for teacher now i will tell you this band would be a kick-ass band if they were together karabi on lead vocals uh obviously a motley crew and a bunch of other things the scream uh union bruce kulik on guitar kiss grand funk railroad tony franklin on bass greg bissonette on drums. so this would be really a kick-ass band what did you think of this version of hot for teacher So, Karabi
0: and Kulik back together again from the Union days, along with Tony Franklin, Greg Bissonette. John can sing the phone book. I mean, honestly, John can sing the phone book. He is so good at fitting the style and making it work. So, this is one of my more favorite versions on this record. The only thing I said, basically, is that I don't need the O's, but there's a couple of places in there where John gives like the ad lib, uh, or, uh, Dave doesn't do it in the regular song. I guess John just felt like he needed to add something and he added it, but I don't need it because it doesn't, it's not needed. It doesn't fit. It's not anything Dave did. So I don't know what goes on there, but I said, Bruce did a great job on this, on this song. So that's my thoughts on Hot for Teacher.
1: That's interesting. Cause I thought different on this. I love Karabi but he does not sell the fun and peppiness of the original version. I thought Bruce did fine, but he's not as crisp as Eddie was. So I don't know if Hot for Teacher is easy to pull off, period. I think the best version I've ever heard was T.O. Panther doing it with, uh, I think Nuno was playing drums. Maybe it was on one of the Monsters of Rock cruise things or the Kiss cruise things or something like that. I didn't like this version. I didn't think it was good. I, I love John. I power to you, John, for trying. But um, I don't know if I would have covered this song.
0: Yeah. So we're off a little bit there on our opinions of this. Overall, well, I'll wait till the end of it to ask you this. So continue.
1: All right. So song number seven, Running with the Devil. You had Piercy on vocals uh, from Rad, obviously. Jakey Lee on guitar from Ozzy and Badlands. Tim Bogert again on bass and then Benali again on drums. There was something about this guitar tone. I could like feel it in my spine. I don't know what Jake was doing, but that piercing guitar tone, like, I don't know. I i, I couldn't sit right in my car after listening to it. I, I don't know what it was. The guitar was so loud in the mix and then the solo came and it got buried in the mix. It was almost like, okay, Jake can't really do this solo. So just kind of bury it. And then Steven tried to do the whole yelping thing, but he couldn't really pull it off and... So the vocal kind of ended up being boring because kind of all those little things Dave is adding into the song makes it actually more fun. So this cover was just kind of meh to me. What did you think? <laughs> Stephen Perry and Jakey
0: Lee. You got two of the original Mickey rat dudes back together. Tim Bogart, Frankie Banali. My notes were really short and sweet. This sounds fast also. Hate this version. Nothing sounds good about it. (laughs) Uh, And I rest my case. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Wow. By the way, you guys may notice that I'm giving you a taste of all these songs, but I'm not really playing the entire song on most of them because, honestly, I just don't think we need to play the whole song. You get the picture on this uh, particular tribute, but that, there you go.
1: Okay, song number eight on the CD, Oh Pretty Woman, Gunner Nelson, Matt Nelson on vocals, Albert Lee and Tony Levin. So Albert Lee is playing guitar, Tony Levin's playing bass, and both of those guys are session guys. They've been around the UK circles forever. They've played with some bands. And then Ansley Dunbar's doing uh, the drums of Whitesnake and some other bands. I don't know why you do a cover of a cover. What did you think about this song? Like all the Van Halen songs to do, why would you do a cover of a cover?
0: We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but here's the thing. First of all, I never really liked this song to begin with. I didn't like it on Diver Down. I didn't like it as a Roy Orbison tune. I'm just not a huge fan of this song. I don't know what it is. That being said, Albert Lee, Tony Levin, and Ansley Dunbar are ringers. I mean, (laughs) those are three amazing players right there that you got together for this. So definitely a session thing. Here's what my thoughts were. I actually like this cover. I think that they do a good job of combining this classic sound. So Gunnar and Matthew bring a little bit of that old school vibe that maybe their dad had to this song and give it a little bit of that original Roy Orbison feel. And then they combine it with a little bit of the VH sound. I think the Nelsons sound good on this song. They added that extra part, which is not in the original song. There's like an extra, uh, it's not necessarily a full verse. It's just like an extra part uh, that's in the original song that Van Halen cut out and they put it back in. And then Albert Lee fits this song well, Uh, his guitar playing fits this song well. So that's my honest opinion of this particular cover.
1: Yeah, my my thing was, I thought it was weird to do a cover of a cover. Okay, we'll put the pin in that and put this over on this side. I agree with you. I think Gunner and Matt had the that 50s pop flavor to the thing, right? Yeah. They did kind of take the whole idea of the guitar being important kind of out of the song right. because, well, the Eddie stuff is kind of out of the song and it's more power pop, but I actually do like the version. I like this version that they did. I don't know if I like it better than Van Halen's version. I don't even know if I like it better than Roy's version. But it's a good version. Yes, yeah. uh, I thought it was a good song.
0: Yeah, and I and for the record, I don't disagree. Why do a cover of a cover? So you're not wrong there. But I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end.
1: The ninth song, Atomic Punk, Fee Wable doing the vocal from the tubes, Brad Gillis doing guitar from Night Ranger, Tim Bogert on bass, and then Frankie Benelli on drums. I am not a fan of Atomic Punk, the original song, period. I, I don't like it. But the music on this one actually has more of a metal feel. And I, like I could hear, even if Fee wasn't singing on it and it was Cookie Monster vocals, they could have probably pulled it off. And Brad does amazing on the guitar. So I listened to the original first. I'm like, oh, God damn. I'm going to have to listen to this cover now. So then I go listen to the cover. I'm like, oh, I think I like the cover better. So I actually like this song better than the original. Yes. You can send your hate mail to me. F you. There you go.
3: And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego.
0: Ah! What about you? I don't know. I hung up on you when you started giving your opinions (laughs) of that. Are we back? Can we talk about something else now? (laughs) (laughs) anyway all right so all right here we go atomic (laughs) punk all right i don't love it because they screwed up the beginning part one of the best things about atomic punk is that intro that eddie does with the phase shifter i mean back in 78 that wasn't something you heard every day so that was one of the innovative sounds that he was bringing out to the forefront in 78 uh, which was amazing. So I don't love it because they screwed that up, beginning part, and that part that Brad Gillis plays at the beginning of this is the start of a Night Ranger tune now. So I don't know. I couldn't... I, I went through my Night Ranger catalog trying to figure out which song it was, and I couldn't find it, but one of those became the beginning of a Night Ranger song, and I don't know which which one it was, but anyway. Fee is an interesting choice for vocals. I'll be honest, this is another one I, I don't really like anything about it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: alrighty then there you go. Okay. Now that, uh, we're back cause I hung up. Okay. Song number 10. So this is love. Uh, Jeff Scott Soto doing the vocals. Who's been in 93 bands by now. Blue Saraceno doing guitar who's been in poison kingdom come, uh, Tony Franklin on bass, Eric Singer on drums. What did you think about? So this is love. I actually like this one pretty close
0: to the original Solo is a little different, but good. I think Soto is doing his best Dave impression. So I think Soto is playing Dave to a T and blues does a, good, a really good job. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this one as they go is pretty close to the original. Not a bad, uh, not a bad cover.
2: out here. Well, my baby's on the corner and she looking so fine, but one-on-one one together and it blew my mind, Made me lots to live, I'm the living proof, can't say smiling.
1: Yeah, this one was my second favorite and I, I wrote down the same thing. I thought Jeff, like he did the best job of actually pulling DLR off on this album, mm-hmm. right? That Like he did the best job with it. Almost too good. Because I got to a point where I'm like, all right, Jeff, that's trying too hard. Dude, like back that off a little bit. Can you change that? You know, but I, he was doing what he, you know, what he wanted to do and he did it well. I don't know a lot about blues, but uh he did it. He did the song justice for sure. So yeah, it was my second favorite.
0: Yeah, it lends a little bit more to itself uh, if you go back to that Soto interview that we did where you ask Jeff, you know, whether or not he ever had a shot at ending up in Van Halen at some point. You can kind of hear it on this tune, him doing his best Dave impression, and it's not that bad, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have definitely done it. Yeah. And then the last song on this tribute CD is Little Guitars. David Glenn Isley's doing the vocals, Murderer's Road, Jufria. Mitch Perry's doing the guitar, Uh, he's played with the suite, MSG, Marco Mendoza doing the bass, and then Eric Singer is doing drums. This song has always felt like a little bit of a, kind of like Going Crazy's Big Brother. It's kind of got that same feel. This cover starts with this musical interlude. I'm not too sure why. I thought Glenn Isley actually did a better vocal than the original, but Mitch changed the music way too much and it just kind of lost the kitschiness of the original. So overall I didn't think it was great because I thought what Mitch changed was too much. What did you think? <sighs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Little guitars for me is a song that makes me happy. The, uh, Van Halen version. Uh, and much like it's interesting cause I never really thought about it with, uh, the uh, comparison to Going Crazy, you're not wrong about that. I I can totally hear and see what you're saying, and honestly, Going Crazy, another song that just makes me happy. I don't know if it's the chord changes or the key they're playing it in, but uh, it just has a nice feel to it, and I really like it. For this particular cover with David Glenn, Osley, Mitch Perry, Marco Mendoza, Eric Singer, the intro is good almost, Mitch almost pulls it off and it sounds pretty close, pretty decent. What's interesting about this cover to me is that if you listen to this song, it's a very rhythmic song. Eddie has almost got a rhythm pattern going on with his picking in this song. And to me, Mitch Perry just can't duplicate the rhythmic patterns of this song and because of that, it doesn't sound quite right. It always sounds a little off. It sounds very sterile to me. And there's absolutely zero character in David Glenn Osley's voice for this song. I don't like it. Sorry. And I love this song, but no.
1: All right, so summary, this album sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't
0: go buy this record. You, You heard a little bit of it here on the podcast. And now that this is over, I feel like a big weight has been lifted off my shoulders a bit because I think this is a little bit of a weird kickoff to what we're supposed to be doing is honoring Eddie Van Halen and... I think on the surface, it was a cool idea because I don't know that anybody has reviewed a tribute record before for a tribute episode, basically, but don't worry. We've got three other episodes coming, which will be fun, and I thought that this was fun, truthfully. I think that it's interesting to take on some of this stuff. Uh, the bottom line is, is that this month is all about honoring not only Edward Van Halen, but the music of Van Halen. And in some way, all these guys that played on this tribute record are fans of Van Halen. So it's all good. you know. We didn't mention that—what's-his-name uh, produced this record, right? Bob, yeah, Kulik? Bob Kulik. Yeah, Bob Yeah.
1: Yeah, what I learned with this was—okay, some of this is going to sound bad, so I apologize if I offend anybody— What Alex Van Halen is doing in Van Halen obviously matters, but when you're doing a tribute record, you don't ever really get to, oh my God, he didn't do the same fill that Alex did. Like that isn't what you go after. So I kind of just tuned out on the drums. So I'm sure all the drummers did fine. And uh, if you're a drummer, you listen to this, it's like, oh my God, he's not even close to Alex Van Halen. You know, okay. Don't know. I didn't notice. Let's be honest, what Michael Anthony's doing is not super complicated, Um, and there's some unbelievable bass players on this tribute album. So now, could they hit the vocals? I don't even know if they attempted any of the vocals, because some of the people doing the backing vocals weren't the folks playing bass, so they didn't have to bring that repertoire there, and that's what really Michael's known for more to me. Maybe everybody doesn't agree to that, but to me. Can you copy Eddie? You can't copy Eddie. Did some of these guitar players do a great job? Absolutely. So they are obviously Eddie fans. They were influenced by Eddie by some point. I think Ingve is just trying to show that he's better than Eddie. And on this, he didn't show he was, but at least you get the Eddie feel and you can feel it in like Doug Aldridge is playing that he really loved Eddie Van Halen. What I learned most about this is, although I'm not always the biggest Dave Lee Roth fan, there is just stuff you can't copy. There is a charisma and a feel that he is bringing to his vocal stylings that you just can't pull off. And I didn't realize how much of the song it was because there's not five or six different layered guitar parts in all these Van Halen songs, right? So what he's doing kind of in the background, which I was kind of deemed as just annoying and just like, just shut up. It's like, why are you going, "Mm, ah, mm, just shut up, right? Just let the music do what it does. Missing it in these Actually kind of showed, all right, okay, Dave has got a thing. Maybe I'm not in love with the thing, but he does got a thing and it ain't easy to copy. And it reminded me of Paul because Paul and Kiss, there's tons of Kiss tributes out there that have done Paul Stanley songs and they just cannot pull it off because Paul has just a unique way of singing the songs. And we've heard females do it, we've heard males do it and just can't pull it off. And I think Dave's got the same thing.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%, and that's what a tribute record like this really exposes the important parts of the original band. And to me, it's clear more now than ever that the Van Halen song is Eddie's guitar, Dave's vocal, and Michael Anthony's background vocals. That is the Van Halen song. And Eddie's guitar is not only his playing, but it's his tone, as some of the effects he uses. It's all of that. It's everything that has to do with the guitar. And that can't be duplicated to your point. The quality with Dave is, yes, the charisma and that Dave thing. But, and I said it earlier, Dave had this really sort of raspy, smoky quality to his voice that I personally, I love. I think it sounds great. And it's its a whiskey-soaked thing that just, if you're a real big fan of Dave, you know exactly what I'm talking about uh, in certain songs and it's wonderful. Uh, And that's part of the thing and part of the charm. But what did you think of the set list here? The songs that they chose, what did you think of that?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't have, if it was me, I wouldn't have chose Little Guitars. I wouldn't have chose Atomic Punk because I just don't like the song. I don't get the cover of the cover of Pretty Woman. And I probably wouldn't have done light up the sky. Like I would have changed those to something else because I think it's interesting to do a tribute album, but then you don't, well, pretty woman's probably different, but you didn't pick all the songs that they're absolutely known for. Like go do, there's easily 11 singles. You could have just went and done the 11 singles. So I don't know if Bob picked the songs. I don't know if the singer or the guitar player picked the songs. Cause that could make sense too, right? It's like, Hey, I'm looking for people to go do songs. He calls Ingve and says, Hey, you want to be on the Van Halen tribute album? Sure. But I'm not doing anything but light up the sky. Okay. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But honestly,
0: I mean, we're the guys that always say, don't pick the hits, do some deeper covers. And to me, truthfully, I was kind of bitching about the listing here. But when I started looking at it more, they did kind of give you a mixture of deep cuts and more well-known tunes, right? You know, Unchained, Dance the Night Away, Panama, Hop for Teacher, Running with the Devil are all pretty well-known Van Halen tunes. Light Up the Sky, Atomic Punk, So This Is Love, and I'm the One are pretty deep cuts. I mean, deeper cuts, right? So, I mean, they they kind of gave you a mixture, which as a fan, I mean, I guess that's what I would want. I just think that their versions of the Deep cuts and the w- more well-known tunes kind of sucked ass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, here's my take on that. So if somebody's doing a tribute album that's going to be all basically one band, then I think I want to, this is my personal opinion, I want the hits. I want the tribute to, you know, if somebody was doing an Aussie tribute, I want them doing I don't know, crazy train. I don't need a tribute album that has no bone movies. You know, it's like, come on dude, really? Right. But now I'm different. If South of Eden or Eclipse or one of these bands decides they want to do a cover of a Van Halen song, if they're just going to do one cover on their album, then I want them to pick a deeper cut. I don't want them to do Panama. So I'm kind of, I don't know why I'm different on that, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. Alright, fair enough That's Hey, it's all on you, man <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so believe it or not This does tie in with Kiss a bit So uh, let's get to this You wanted the best And you got the best The hottest man in the world
2: Kiss! It's time for your kiss Stewart moment On Growing Up Rock
1: so there is a Ace Frehley tribute album out there called Return of the Comet. I think we've played a song or two from there before. And there's a song where both Eric Singer and Carl Cochran do the song. Eric is doing the drums and basically Carl is doing everything else. And Carl's played with Joel and Turner. He's played with In Ace's band. And it's interesting. Carl does a great job channeling his inner ace on this song. But uh, check the vocal out and let me know. What you think? Here is Lover Her All I Can. So see, there's an example of, he did a great job doing Ace. He did the bass part where Gene's not virtuoso, so it doesn't matter. And Eric did fine with the drums because he's the Kiss drummer. And, you know, did he do it as good as Peter? No. Okay, anybody happy? He didn't do as good as Peter. Fine. You want me to say it out loud? There you go. Carl cannot do Paul. And then he wasn't even close. I, I'm listening to this three minutes going, oh, bring Paul back. Like, <laughs> come on, dude. Like the version's fine, but when you're, if this was the only thing you heard, you probably think it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But knowing the song from Dress to Kill, I'm like, oh my God, you didn't even come close to what Paul was doing. And Paul's got that sexiness and he's got that flair and that charisma that he puts in the vocal and it's hard to copy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, singers out there like that and there's even i mean a lot of the singers that we think are not great singers because they're not those are some of the hardest ones for people to duplicate you know guys like ace or bob dylan or or petty or whatever some some of those guys that aren't great singers are just hard to duplicate it's not always the guys that are spot on freaking uh virtuoso singers that are the hard ones to duplicate
1: you know Yeah, I think what happens with that is, look, I can't do that, but I can do this and I can put my own soul into it, right? And I can make it feel like nobody else can make it feel because I'm the one who lived these lyrics that I'm singing anyway. Yeah. And then it's impossible to get the feeling right. It's impossible to get the vocal right. They weren't taught professionally, so you don't even know what note they're hitting and they're making up their own notes to hit. And they're, you know, so it's, yeah, it's difficult, no doubt.
0: Well, cool. All right. So one down, three to go. Hopefully in some small way, this is a good way to celebrate the music of Van Halen and Edward Van Halen. Long live King Edward. And uh, that's it for this
1: episode. You good? Yeah. Thanks for listening. And I think the lesson we learned today is no matter how big the name is, you just can't do everything. And that's just how it is. You are who you are because of who you are and what you do. And it is hard copying somebody else sometimes. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. And we will talk to you soon. And that is some deep shit by Hollywood Pooney. We are out of here.
2: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.